You're listening to Recovery, Healing, Outreach, and Awareness, a podcast about domestic violence, sponsored by Randy's House of Angels. Domestic or intimate partner violence is a complex and silent epidemic that affects millions of people worldwide. To respond to the overwhelming issues associated with domestic violence, Randy's House of Angels has produced a series of podcasts beginning in October that will bring this epidemic to the forefront of public consciousness and break the silence that often shrouds it. I'm Paul Miller, the producer of this program, and we invite you to access the podcasts by going to randyshouseofangels.org. Joining us today is Tony Shearer. Tony Shearer has been providing counseling and leadership in human and social services for 31 years. She earned a Master's of Arts degree in counseling psychology with a concentration in marriage and family therapy in 1991 from Antioch, New England graduate. Despite an ongoing passion and commitment for working with children and adults who identify with being abused, professional circumstances created opportunity to become additionally specialized in working with adult sexual offenders, youth with problematic sexual behaviors, and perpetrators of family violence. Tony is a licensed professional counselor in Pennsylvania who is specialized in sexual and family violence and trained in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, attachment, motivational interviewing, and mindfulness. She is a certified clinical trauma professional, child and adolescent trauma professional, and certified family trauma professional. The Center for Hope and Healing is a trauma-informed counseling practice that is specialized and designed to treat children and adults who have become imbalanced from traumatic responses to distressing and or life-threatening events, either directly or indirectly, in any facet of functioning and living. The Center offers hope and healing to children, adolescents, adults, and their families. For more information, check out centerforhopeandhealing.org. Today's facilitator on the Randy's House of Angels podcast is Dr. Ellen Smith, M.D. Dr. Smith retired after 30 years of teaching and practicing in family medicine education in the Harrisburg area. Since she retired, she has spent a great deal of time learning about adversity and how to bounce back and become more resilient. She is very appreciative to have had the opportunity to educate thousands of people about these topics. Each training is customized for the participant, focused with many practical applications for immediate use. Her medical background helps build trust and understanding during trainings. She spends a great deal of time volunteering at the Trinity Preschool of Harrisburg. Considering that there is a lot of adversity, such as poverty, racism, and other discrimination within our preschool community, there's also a great opportunity to support and build resilience. Additionally, Dr. Smith volunteers at her local church. She has also developed a tool called the Personal Resilience Planner, which takes the above concepts and provides a practical way to look at strengths, trauma responses, resilience, and how to progress in these areas over time. Hello, folks. Glad to see you today. Well, we don't see each other on a podcast, but you know what I mean. So excited to uh, welcome Tony Shearer today from the Center for Hope and Healing. And we're going to speak about how to support someone who is in an unhealthy relationship. And so glad to have Tony to talk to us about that. So, Tony, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that unfortunately in our society today, we often get a lot of information on whether or not we are in healthy or unhealthy relationships. And it's very easy for people to 
make those assumptions for us and give us a lot of feedback on that. But I think that it's a very individualized process for people going through it and recognizing, you know, how to get out of one when you're in it. So I have a lot of information to share with you on that. It sounds like a wonderful topic. Feel free to proceed. Okay. Well, oftentimes, you know, we're talking about healthy and unhealthy, and then we have this kind of overlay of this notion of what is domestic violence, what are these relationships that people can get into that can be also hurtful, if not lethal. Mm. And I think that it's very important to understand, like I said at the beginning, that these are very, very personal decisions that people have to make, and we have to respect that. So there are ways to recognize how to um, find hope when you don't feel that you have it, how to maneuver through it, and then how to be a support to someone who may be in one. So we can start back at the beginning of, you know, kind of looking at why does a person end up in this situation is, you know, that's for someone in their therapist to understand. But the reality is, is that people stay in these situations for many reasons. But oftentimes what happens is that people tend to get blamed for being in them. So we hear these questions about why doesn't she leave or he leave or, you know, why did you do this to yourself, getting yourself into this situation? When in fact, the question really, as I've heard over time is why does this person hurt this person? Or more importantly for me, the question has become more about why is it difficult for this person to not leave? And I think those questions, I think, are less blaming and can be helpful in understanding more of those dynamics. You know, some of the some of the biggest reasons that people that I have found over the years and listening to people's stories has been really about feeling like they just could not get out from underneath, that they were in this place that didn't feel good to them, that they knew were not healthy, but they just could not find the ability to find the strength from within themselves to leave it. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that they just didn't believe in themselves anymore. Many of that conditioning, though, unfortunately, starts long before they become adults Mm -hmm. or, you know, older teens and have either witnessed these kinds of situations in their lives or they've been a part of these types of situations in their families. And it kind of set the trend of what to expect as they got older. So that lack of awareness or that lack of ability and knowing that something else might be better out there, I think is very significant to a lot of people's journeys in these unhealthy relationships. I also think that if we're gonna identify people of victims of unhealthy relationships, so to speak, um, that word has a lot of power to me. I think that people who are in these unhealthy relationships often, often have this innate hope within themselves that they believe not so much in themselves, but they believe in the other person's ability to change. So they stick in there hoping and wanting very much for this person to make the change that they may have promised that they would make. I also think that a lot of times people are made to believe that if something fails or they fail at this relationship, it's because of them, um, that it's their failure versus it being perhaps the responsibility of the dynamics that go on between two people or perhaps one other person, maybe not them, who is actually creating this situation. And then there's also other things that I think get in the way. I think that there is a real reality for people who are in a relationship and they're trying to leave and and make the decision to go out on their own. And that has to do with the financial instability that is caused by that shift. Um, I work with clients. The majority of the clients that we serve are people who are on medical assistance and are trying to, you know, survive. But when you look at people transitioning to one income in today's world, I mean, it costs 
more to rent than it does for some people to have a mortgage. And it's just, it's becoming more and more difficult for people to find um, affordable housing or to find childcare. That's another big one, you know, being able to get a job and still take care of all the children. I mean, I have stories after stories of that horror when I was um, working in the domestic violence field. But then I think the most important thing that we have to understand, too, and, and this is forgotten often, is that when a person decides to leave, um, statistically, it's the most dangerous time for them. And they know that. And so this increased fear of, you know, more violence or the possibility of death, I think, is something that we have to keep in mind as to why people choose to stay, not because they deserve or they want this to continue, but they also know their own safety right. and lack thereof. Yep. Yep. So, so just to just to say, when people decide to leave is a is a high risk time. Is that is that what you just said? Absolutely it is. Okay. And okay. it has to again be understood as that. Right. Um, no matter what you know, whether you're a friend, whether you're a professional in the field, it's very important to recognize that this is not often a safe time for someone to make a transition from a, an abusive relationship, not necessarily an unhealthy relationship, but an abusive one. And are there things that can be done to decrease that risk? You know, there are. And that's where my encouragement always to someone, even though I'm a therapist and I've been working in the field for a long time, for me, I think it's incredibly important for someone who's in an abusive situation to be utilizing the resources in the community, such as the domestic violence programs, because that is their skill set. That's their wheelhouse. They have resources. Every county um, has a domestic violence program or one that is accessible. We don't even have just the state level. We also have the national level. So there are resources that I think are very, very important for anybody in um, that situation to have. And I'm sure you're going to be providing people with that resource because you guys are excellent at doing that. But again, because they look at safety planning, they look at creating, you know, what are the important things to have or the ways to access those things. You know, these programs in particular are trained specifically for that and should not be forgotten, even if a person is in a therapeutic process. They have a part to play and, you know, they're very important to that process. So those resources become really, really important, as well as just being there for a person as they're in that process of trying to leave, you know, believing them, being there for them as a support, not being judgmental, um, not telling them they have to leave, not creating conditional relationships such as if you don't do this, I can no longer work with you, I can no longer be your friend, I can no longer be whatever support for you. You know, those are things that I think make it helpful and, again, encourage hope that um, they may be able to make this choice one day. Right. So you're not saying... If someone chooses not to leave, you're not leaving. You're saying you're not leaving yet if that's what the person wants. That's really helpful. So as a therapist, those who are listening, what are some guidelines or thoughts or recommendations for someone who says, hmm, I think I could use a therapist, whether it be for an unhealthy relationship or a violent relationship? What are some thoughts that are important? Well, I think the most important is recognizing that this becomes a relationship, um, and it should be that of, you know, re mutual respect that, you know, that you always, if you research and you find a therapist to work with, because they're not easy to come by in today's world. But if you are, if you do go that route and you do reach out, um, finding a therapist who 
maybe specialized in, you know, relational violence or family violence could be incredibly helpful. If you can't find that, it's still finding someone who, again, is not going to put these judgments on you, that they respect your journey, and they also are there to help support you in finding resources and finding what is going to work for you in your individual situation. Let's say a person finds a therapist, but it just doesn't feel right for any number of reasons. Maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't feel respectful. Maybe it just doesn't feel right, whatever it may be. What, what, what can they do? They can always find another one. Um, even if it's in uh, one of the things that we do in our practice is we recognize that, that because these relationships are so incredibly important, so special, that if someone does not feel that it's a fit for them, they have the right to say that. You know, we don't want to encourage people from avoiding hard topics, which sometimes happens, but that's not what we're talking about here, knowing that they have the right to be heard and that they have the right to find a therapist that they feel most comfortable with is critical. Okay, that's really important. Uh, Thank you so much. Um, let's, Let's go back to situations where perhaps a family member or a friend is concerned about someone. Mm -hmm. Often that's going on for a while, that the person is concerned or the violence is persisting. And how would one go about expressing concern without putting the person down or being judgmental or anything? And maybe even the question of how do you even, do you need to ask permission to talk about it with a person? Well, again, I think that, that that's great. This is a great question. And I think it's it's best to not ignore. So it's always best to ask the question. And again, how you approach any kind of relationship, you want to do it from a respectful place. So making sure that this conversation is something that they are able to have at this time. This is not a conversation you just drop for a second. This is something that you have to make sure people have time with. I know when I even return phone calls to family or even clients, I'll say, is this an okay time to talk or do we need to schedule a different time to meet? But I have something I want to talk with you about if you're available. Um, So again, it's just, again, regard to another human being becomes really important. Then bringing up the concerns. You know, I I have reason to believe that, you know, you may be in an unhealthy situation or if it is a violent situation, it's okay to use those words um, from what you see and express your concerns for them and also offering how can I be most helpful? What do you need at this time from me? Part of it is if someone does not recognize that they're in an unhealthy situation, you being able to bring this to their attention may be discarded at first, but you've at least done one thing, which I believe is all of our jobs. When we see something bad, we need to plant the seed. Whether or not it is something that is grown at that time or comes later is not what is most important. What's most important is that we not be afraid to ask. We not be afraid to walk with someone in this journey and recognize, again, that it's at their pace, not ours. So it becomes important to provide them. We talked about the local resources. You know, if I had a friend who was in trouble and needed food, I would give them resources to the food pantries that are local, right? If I didn't give that to them myself or in addition to. So we would do the same thing with any situation. Make sure that you have the resources too. If you believe someone's in a situation, do your homework. Don't put it on them to go find the resources because they might not be able to do so. Right. You know, so if you can provide that to them, that would be great. Randy's Camp for Hope and Courage is scheduled for July 10th through 12th in 2024. Contact Nancy Chavez at 717-503-4498 
or email randyshouseofangels at gmail.com to sign up your child. It does cost about $400 to send a child to Randy's Camp or Randy's Kids Club. If you are interested in sponsoring a child, please reach out to Nancy Chavez for more information. Don't go and confront the person who they're saying they're in an unhealthy relationship with. I mean, please don't do that. Stay in your lane of being a friend to the person that you are trying to help. I think that that also becomes important because it can become actually more volatile and more lethal if we get involved by addressing someone with these issues directly. It can be very, very dangerous to do it that way. Yeah. Um, but again, just believe that person and listen to them without judgment and also without advice unless they're willing to hear it from you. And don't be surprised if they're not ready to hear it. You know, you can be uncovering a secret that they thought they've been doing a really good job covering. So let that happen um, and hope that they want information from you down the road, but they might not be initially. So you can always bring up the question, you know, again, it doesn't have to be a one and done, but it is important to, again, approach this with the respect that we want for that friend or that person in our lives. Is there anything else to, are there any other things that you'd like to talk to the audience about avoiding if you're a family or friend? Again, I think avoiding those traps of it's, it's very easy for us that when someone says something is happening in their, in their relationships or in their lives is we can pass judgment mm-hmm. on that person. Perhaps this is something that we have thought for a long time and it's been confirmed and it's just kind of given us, we hope, anyway, this license to kind of open up and just let them know what we really think of that person. The truth is, is that actually doesn't always help. In fact, it can sometimes hurt and it can sometimes push someone to feel that they have to be more loyal Uh, to someone who's hurtful to them. And there's many reasons for that, many things that get layered into that. So again, avoiding passing judgment on that person um, and focus more on instilling hope and giving resources to a person who wants to leave it. Sounds Um, good. I think it becomes very important. Yeah, excellent information. What if there are children involved? Mm. Yes. What if there are? Another facet as to why it's hard for someone to leave a very difficult situation. Um, You know, most people who are in situations where the relationship is unhealthy, children are often used as pawns in those um, situations where they become property Mm -hmm. and they become threats of go ahead and leave. If you try, I will keep the kids or you're not leaving with my kids. Like I said, they become more possessions. And so that fear of something happening to the children or not being able to be a parent to your own child um, is legitimate. I mean, it's it's very much a concern. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's where working with some of those other resources can be really helpful um, with a trained ear. And I think, you know, a person who is trying to leave a situation that is not healthy this is something that is valid and it's something that they need to consider. It's not a reason to feel that you are stuck or that there is no hope. A lot of times there's a lot of guilt that goes with leaving a relationship and feeling like this is what, this is unfair for my children if I leave this person because even though I may be suffering, it's better for my children. But the truth is, is that in the long one, in the long run, children oftentimes know what's happening even if you think you're covering it up and not showing the children. And also what I've seen more often than not in working with children of really hurtful relationships um, is that they also create this resentment um, where it becomes 
they become frustrated with knowing that a person is in this situation and not making changes for themselves because they're pretty hopeless mm. and powerless more so to that situation. So we as adults have to sometimes make decisions that might initially feel scary or feel like it's going to not be a good outcome. But in the end, we're teaching our children that they don't deserve to be in unhealthy relationships. And that's a lesson that we need to teach our children. So finding the strength to make that decision, I think, is very important. But right. children endure a lot. I mean, children in today's world see a lot right. in their own homes right. and um, definitely become the Oftentimes, through their behaviors, they become kind of the catalyst for recognizing there is a bigger problem. So mm -hmm. we need to listen to the children, too. And sometimes I'm guessing that children act out because of the stress that they're under. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's usually the one, the one thing that we do um, from our lens of, of working in the trauma field is that all behavior is a message. Right. Um, and so what we have to figure out is what the, what is the message in the behavior? Obviously, there are some situations where it could be more of a mental cognitive issue, but oftentimes it's just a display of saying something's wrong here. Help, mm -hmm. help me, help my family, mm -hmm. um, bring attention to a problem. Mm -hmm. They just happen to be the messenger. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's think about Randy's House of Angels. They often speak about hope and courage, and your organization, the Center for Hope and Healing, you're talking about hope and healing. And let's talk a little bit more about hope. It's We're talking about domestic violence, but there's hope? Really? Tony, please please tell us about that. I know. It, it, this is one of the things that um, I've often heard people say when they are talking about uh, domestic violence in particular is that so many people feel so hopeless, whether it be someone who's trying to help someone or someone who's in that situation. But the reality is that hope itself... There was a, a motto that went around a few years back with hope, you know, hold on, pain ends, um, was what people often referred to when they would look at hope. And it was actually that motto that um, kind of perpetuated me in looking at what I wanted for my center, as well as some just, you know, personal experiences of wanting a center that offers an opportunity for people to make change at their pace with no judgment. The philosophical basis for my practice and what I do, not that everybody in my practice does this, but for me is I use a lot of what's called positive psychology. And um, that's really focusing on, you know, what can be different versus what hasn't been. Um, a lot of therapists will focus on what has happened in the past, and they go back and they try to make um, amends with past experiences that they've had and make sense of it. And the reality is, is that not always are we able to have those answers. So instead, this fit for me, because I'm, I want to be very proactive in life. And I want to see um, people feel that they have the ability to make the changes that I know that every person is capable of, even from some of the darkest of experiences. Um, and with positive psychology, it's, it's based on that element of hope as well. And hope in and of itself has three primary elements that go with it. And that's first, having a goal, setting, setting some kind of goal, whether it is I'm going to get out of bed tomorrow morning and take a shower. I mean, it doesn't matter how big the goal is, but it's doing something that's going to benefit you. It's movement. It's, it's making, making an opportunity to make change in your life, however big or small it is. 
The second has to do with pathways, and that's finding the ways to achieve that goal, right? So even if it is that you literally have to drag yourself out of bed to get to that shower, um, that's what you do, um, not in a negative way, but you finding the motivation within yourself to do that, you know, one, one foot in front of the other until you get to that shower. And then the third is, I think, one of the most important pieces that none of us can ever lose, and that is the belief that each of us has in ourselves to have a desire and have the ability to make change. Every person has the ability to make change, no matter how bleak the situation seems. It may not be immediate, but the only person who can um, prevent a situation from changing in truth is ourselves. And we have to find the ability to believe in ourselves, even if it's just through a little inkling, that becomes very important. You know, I had an experience literally this past weekend with a um, woman who I met randomly um, through an exchange, a professional exchange. And this is a woman who had um, left a state, a different state, and came to Pennsylvania um, through domestic violence services, which, again, that's why I always go back and talk about these programs being so incredibly important for so many people who are in very, very bad situations. And she talked about, again, unprovoked. It was very, very um, interesting that we had this conversation. And I'm, I'm looking at her working, and she's feeling incredibly empowered, and she feels that she has, you know, she's kind of has her life um, making movement right now. And she's, she was a bit on the rougher side. She, you could tell she's really been through a whole lot. Um, but she was still, she was smiling and she was talking about, you know, her newfound freedom and how blessed she feels she is. And what she shared with me was that even in her darkest of days, when things were really, really bad, um, you know, she was timed on how long it took her to go to the grocery store. She could only, you know, spend so much money. She was only to buy certain things. And what she kind of um, winked at me and said is what, what was not known was that I earned back cash through my exchanges at this grocery store that she went to. And she was given like, and it wasn't a lot, but like if you spend so much, you get so much back. Well, he never knew this because he never went to the grocery store. She only did. So she was able to take that extra money. And what she did with it, I found to be fascinating. And she told me she would buy seeds little seedlings and or not seedlings seeds and she created in her home um, a space that he never looked it was the windows were always closed and the drapes were always closed but she created her own little greenhouse in this home of darkness and was able to grow from her seeds um, little seedlings that grew into plants whether it be flowers or it grew into um you know, vegetables or fruit. She created her own little garden. And I found that to be incredibly metaphoric in regards to change and that, you know, she found a little glimmer of light in darkness and she was able to do just one small thing that gave her a sense of peace when she didn't feel she ever was going to get out of this situation. But yet, at the same time, there was that element that was present. And eventually her life did get to a point where she was able to make these changes that were important for her. So again, I do believe in the power of people. I believe in the belief that things can get better, but I do also recognize 
that it's very scary to do those things. And I think it's also incredibly hard when we've been so battered and we feel so bad about ourselves. But I've watched so many people make change in their lives, whether it be adults or children. Um, and when that belief comes back, there's nothing stopping these people. Mm. So the power of change is just amazing. I love that last comment. There's nothing stopping these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what you've talked about is teeny tiny awarenesses of I have a tiny bit of money from the grocery store, and for me, I want to grow something. Mm-hmm. And someone else might do do something different, but that made her happy. And so these small incremental ideas of recognizing oneself, recognizing my strengths, recognizing what I have to offer to the world. Are there some questions that you'd like our audience to think about to help them kind of ponder that? There are a couple quotes that that I have that I'd like to share. The one actually was used by me. I'm not going to lie. And I don't know the author of these quotes. But a friend of mine handed me a little plaque at Christmas one year. We, we exchanged gifts during that time. And she had been a childhood friend. So she knew all about my life and kind of the craziness that I too uh, grew up in. And she gave me this little plaque that said, what if I fail? But darling, what if you fly? And it was that plaque that I saw hanging in my, I have hanging in my office that I used to start the center. Because my own fears and my own doubts with myself were getting in the way of doing something like this at a time that was very difficult in my life. So just remembering that, what if I fail? But oh, darling, what if you fly? That is what I want you to hold on to. And then I have a couple others that I think are really important. And this one I use a lot with clients that I work with. And that is trauma creates change that you don't choose. But healing is about creating change you do choose. So it's on your terms. It's on your timeline. And you get to choose it. And so nobody can take that from you. Nobody can. And then lastly, this is kind of what I resonate with in my life and as well. But if you want to know where to find your contributions to the world, it's important to look at the things that we've experienced and the wounds that we've had. And then when we learn how to heal them, it becomes our import, It becomes important for us to teach others so that people's lives can be changed. And again, I go back to this, again, perpetuating this whole belief of hope that it can be better. What a wonderful idea, creating hope. And with our healing, we can teach others to heal, teach teach others who are ready to heal to heal. Just uh, one last question as we wrap up, speaking again of children who are in difficult relationships. Any ideas about giving them hope or the parents or the family members words to help build their hope, to let them know they're special, even though they're in a really difficult place? I think you just said that. I mean, I think that's exactly what you say, is you you help children still know that despite the fact that they might be experiencing or witnessing things that are challenging or difficult or pay, painful, that they are not responsible for this situation. Um, and that, you know, my, my hope would be anyway that um, a person who is in a situation that is impacting the health and the mental health of children understand that, that they, they help to understand and pass on to children that, that they're going to do what they can to make this situation different for this child. Because again, I think it's important. It doesn't always happen, like I said, on the timeline that we want to see for a parent. But if we can acknowledge it so that the child understands that 
what they're seeing is not appropriate. It's not healthy. It's not good. It's not something that they have to replicate in their own lives. Um, And we do that by owning that as adults, where we can say, you know, it's unfortunate that this is the situation, but I want you to know that you are not the cause and I'm going to find a solution. That's important for children to know that. That's wonderful. Tony Shearer, thank you so much, folks. Thanks for uh, being here today and uh, wish you a great day. Randy's House of Angels is sponsoring a series of podcasts that will serve as a resource to anyone impacted by domestic violence, including parents, guardians, caseworkers, health providers, advocates, teachers, trauma specialists, clinicians, and more to provide an overview of domestic violence and how to handle situations where domestic violence is present. This is a series of 10 podcasts that will include an overview in healthy relationships, the different types of abuse, supporting someone who is engaged in an unhealthy relationship, and criminal justice resources available to victims. It will also include testimony and stories from courageous survivors who are victims of domestic violence. The podcast will be released starting in October of 2023 and run through February of 2024. If you miss a podcast, it will be made available on demand on Randy's House of Angels website at randyshouseofangels.org. After you've listened to our podcast, we would love to hear from you. Your feedback is crucial for the future of our podcast programs. There is a survey available on our website at randyshouseofangels.org. You can also reference the resources that support the podcast on the website, again, at randyshouseofangels.org. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.